Hi, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up, and I'm back again with another CEO roundtable interview. Today, we're going to move over to a really interesting sector, the office sector, and I'm honored and really pleased to have Owen Thomas with me today. Owen is the CEO of Boston Properties. That ticker symbol is BXP. Uh, Owen, it's good to see you today. Brad, thank you for having me. I appreciate being here very much. Well, full disclosure, we do share the last name. Uh, we may be related, we may not. I've got another CEO, John Thomas, and we always joke about this from Physicians Realty. So we, we, we one, one thing's for sure, we have a great last name. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so uh, and oh, both uh, and both Southern. So you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, well, listen, I want to let's kind of dive into. Uh, the office sector and specifically, you know, urban, the gateway office market. Um, um, we've obviously been covering uh, the office sector for quite a while, um, but obviously there's been a significant meltdown as it relates to COVID. Um, so let's kind of look at what's the state of the market. How do you see things today? You're sitting, you're physically in New York City where your, your company is based. How do you see the, the office uh, sector today? Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, Brad, in all fairness, I wouldn't use the word, uh, the term meltdown. Uh, so let me explain what I mean. You know, first of all, uh, for all that we have 52 million square feet of office space, you know, the company, we're in the major gateway markets. We tend to have the high quality buildings in our markets. Um, we've been collecting throughout this crisis, 99% of the rents from our office customers. Our weighted average lease term in the portfolio is over eight years. And we have you know, named firms in the legal profession, banks, asset managers, technology companies, and life science companies. So they're paying their rent. Um, they're not using their space uh, generally. The census in our buildings, which is a, a measure of occupancy, you know, on average is probably around 10%. And it is starting to rise weekly, although we're still below uh, peaks that we saw in the fall. Uh, and then in terms of Martin, we're, but we're doing leasing. Last year, we leased 3.2 million square feet of space with a weighted average lease term of over eight years. That was 60% of our uh, typical transaction volume in a year. And our markets transaction volume was about 40% of normal. So we outperformed the market and there is still a market. Uh, we're you know, having tours every day somewhere in the company and people are, are looking at space. Uh, market rents, it varies. You know, I would say uh, New York and San Francisco, maybe today on a net effective rent basis, it's down about 10%. And I would say it's better than that, you know, elsewhere. And we've got pockets of the company, particularly those pockets around life science, where I'd say rents are probably higher, you know, as, as a result of COVID. The big question is the reopening. You know, we're definitely seeing it. I, it's palpable. As you can see, I'm here in my office in New York. It's palpable in New York City. You know, the restaurants are active. It's warmed up here a little bit. Uh, retail is more active. Street life is coming back. I think office will be a little bit of a lag employers will not start mandating return to work until you know more people are vaccinated and the infection rates are lower. We anticipate that to happen this summer. And I do think Labor Day will be a tipping point for this because you know we have a culture in this country of you know back to school, back to work, post Labor Day. And I do think a lot of employers are gonna focus on that Labor Day weekend as a marker for returning to the office. 
Oh, you mentioned the 99% rent. I know you do have some ground level retail and some of your some of your towers. How is the retail um, uh, today in, in terms of some of those uh, tr you know, trophy uh, assets that you own? Yeah, the collections there have definitely been lower. You know, we do have you know, certain types of retail that's performed well. You know, for example, we have the iconic Apple store here in New York that you see photographed, you know, it's right near Central Park, right in front of the GM building. Obviously, you know, that's been um, Apple as a company is performing well and that store is performing well. But we do have service retail uh, near many of our office buildings. So these would be restaurants, in some cases, smaller shops. And those businesses have struggled, you know, through COVID. And we've worked cooperatively and supportively with them, you know, abating rent, deferring rent, uh, we could, to try to make sure they stay on their feet as best they can and hopefully successfully reopen in 2021. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your, your, I guess, growth platform and specifically, I guess, starting with your development pipeline and how, what impacts have you seen with, with, uh, with that in, the, in terms of COVID? Yeah, so we do have a strong growth story. And, you know, I think investors are starting to understand that our stock is up quite a bit just in the last week, uh, but it's still way below, you know, where it was in February of 2019 uh, before the pandemic. And I would say the growth is in uh, three areas. First, uh, we lost about $130 million of FFO from variable income streams. So we have big parking garages at the Prudential Center in Boston, at Embarcadero Center in San Francisco. We have a lot of individual parking at our buildings in Washington, D.C., and that evaporated. If people aren't coming to the office, they're not parking. So more than half of that $130 million is parking. Uh, and, you know, think about it. When people come back to the office, it's all going to fill back up again. And, um, and also, I could argue maybe we're going to be more parking because people are going to be reluctant to get on a train and use public transportation. So I think that's going to come back rapidly this fall. And then um, another big chunk of that 130 is retail. And I described what we've done there. And I do think people are going to be coming back to the stores and restaurants. I mean, again, last night, just here in New York, you know, the governor has increased the occupancy limits and with warm weather, there's a lot more outdoor dining. So you kind of feel that happening. And then we do own the, the uh, Cambridge Marriott Hotel. And that's also um, was closed. It's now reopened, but the income's way down from that. So first growth driver, all the, the least variable income streams are coming back. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I think they can come back fairly quickly. And then second, um, the second thing I just want to mention, Brad, is we do have a development pipeline that is um, about three and a half million square feet, 2.2 billion of investment. It's 88% pre-leased, you know, to franchise names like Fannie Mae, um, uh, Wilmer Hale, the, the law firm, Mar we're building Marriott's headquarters, for example. Uh, and this pipeline will be delivered uh, over the next three years onto our balance sheet. And it adds 3.8% um, growth to our uh, FFO, uh, the CAGR. So annual growth, 3.8% external growth driver from that pipeline. So um, again, we have to finish leasing it, but you know, it's, these projects are already successful and we've been leasing it. I mean, we did a big deal with uh, VW North America, put their headquarters in the building in Reston, which brought up that's its occupancy. And then this week, the last piece of the growth driver is new developments that we're starting. And believe it or not, here in the middle of COVID, 
This week, we announced the launch of a half a billion dollars of new developments. They're all geared towards life science. So we are redeveloping an office building in Waltham to lab. We're building a new lab building in Waltham ground up and we're doing uh, another um, ground up development at our uh, gateway joint venture in South San Francisco. And these uh, projects we think will generate um, an 8% uh, stabilized cash yield on cost. And you know these assets stabilized are trading in the four and five cap rate range. So there's a nice profit there for shareholders. So we still, even in the middle of COVID have some strong growth drivers um, uh, that are gonna be great opportunities for shareholders. Oh, and when you look at um, when you look at you know now we've all of us have been through you know a year of this pandemic, and when you reflect on that, and look at your you know your portfolio was really well positioned. You know, no none of us knew, you know this. I, I still call it a black swan event, but uh, yeah. call it what you want. But um, you know, in terms of your geographic focus diversification, uh, you're not just New York City. In terms of your uh, product mix, you're not just office. Like you said, you've already got that sliver of life science and now growing that even larger. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you actually, I think, are in a much better position than many of your peers who are in, say, one specific market or one specific product type. Uh, can, you, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the thing I would focus on too that I think is going to be important in the future is the quality of our portfolio. Um, because I think going forward, you know, the uh, with now a uh, better enabled workforce at working from anywhere, working from home, employers are going to increasingly be looking for ways to entice their employees back to the office. It's got to be easy. It's got to be productive. It's got to be fun. So having high quality space near public transportation with amenities, with a high quality landlord that's focused on the occupant's health security, these factors are gonna be increasingly important for us competing in the future. And you know, that's one of the things I think where we have an advantage. I also think that the, you, know, you have to look at it by industry and I do think tech and life science are gonna to continue to be big drivers of of the growth uh, in office demand. And you know, we have um, increasingly moved our portfolio to um, create product geared for the, that customer base. And I think that will only accelerate pre-COVID. And you know, in addition to the growth drivers that I mentioned, we also have a 15 million square foot land bank that we control uh, in, in places like Cambridge, you know, in Waltham, in South San Francisco, in the city of San Francisco, where there is going to be significant tech and life science demand. Do you see a, uh, I guess, have you telegraphed any types of, how large do you anticipate moving that dial in, in life science? Is that, is that something that you could be a much larger or more significant part of your business model or you have any any kind of target um, exposure in that sector? Yes. Well, we had today. If you look at the life science tenants that are, are in our income stream, it's about five or six percent of our total revenue. And if you look at the land that we control and the redevelopments, uh, the office buildings that we own that we think we can redevelop to life science, I think that represents, um, from memory, about another four or five million square feet. And that's just simply what we control. And honestly, that's really important because 
These three projects that I just mentioned, one of the reasons why the economics is so strong on those is because we already control the raw material. There's a lot of capital that's moving into life science today. So people are paying pretty full prices for buildings and for land to create life science projects. Whereas in our case, we have the experience, you know, we've, we've built the Broad Institute's labs, we've built the labs for Biogen, we just successfully uh, did a redevelopment at 200 West Street in Waltham where we converted an office to a lab and leased the entire thing to translate bio. So we have the experience to do it. And then in addition, we have a lot of the raw material that we need to you know, continue that pipeline. So I think it could grow, you know, Again, it's hard to say because you never know exactly what's going to happen with the rest of the company. But if we're six percent now, I think that could double over time. Yeah. Again, we're a developer, so you know, if we went out and tried to buy these assets, the yields would be four to five percent. And if we build them, you know, we think it'll be over. The yields are going to be over seven. So it's a much higher yield, but it takes longer to bring that income into the company because it takes several years to build these projects. Yep. So looking at your uh, kind of other growth driver, I guess, being your balance sheet and cost of capital, uh, arguably Boston Property has a fortress balance sheet, that triple B S&P rating. Uh, you really maintain a very disciplined capital stack, at least over you know, the period I've been covering the company. Uh, your dividend is still well protected, even though we did, to your point, lost some income, some earnings yeah. in twenty. Uh, we've got analysts forecasting, you know, kind of a clawback of about 5% growth in 21, 8% growth in 22. And you probably don't even look at analysts. I don't know all their estimates, but, but I do. And I look at 22 and I don't think there's many analysts that are going to, you know, go out that far. But for that group, I see 12% growth. So really strong growth recovery, at least from, from what the analysts are, are, are telling me. Um, but how are you how are you utilizing that balance sheet? I mean, obviously, it's, you know, you, your equity multiple has moved. So we're encouraged to see that recovery underway in your, terms of your pricing. But how are you equipped to uh, capitalize on all of these growth opportunities that you just outlined? Yeah. Well, we we just did an eight hundred and fifty million dollar uh, unsecured deal at uh, just over two and a half percent. It was an 11 year deal at just over two and a half percent. And by the way, it was in a green bond. So we got some benefit from that. We have a tremendous amount of liquidity. Um, we are in, and I think, the, and, and we also, by the way, have joint venture partners, private equity joint venture partners that want to join us for uh, acquisitions. So we, as you're suggesting, Brad, we have a significant amount of uh, investment capacity that we can use in the marketplace. The other thing that we're doing is we always sell assets too. So last year we sold $550 million of real estate you know, these are either assets that are non-core or assets that are not growing necessarily so rapidly and we're getting an interesting cap rate. And so that creates liquidity as well. Although, you know, be aware, sales often create a special dividend requirements. So it's not a 100% efficient way to raise capital. And so the way we're investing it is first, the deals I just described, you know, those three life science developments. And again, we're investing half a billion dollars into those. Uh, I hope and think there will be more of life science developments. We have this 15 million square foot land portfolio. We have put on pause uh, our office development subject to pre-leasing. So we wouldn't launch a speculative office project uh, if we could get a pre-lease on some of our sites and we would launch those projects. And then we're looking for acquisitions. 
Um, you know, we have not seen much what I'd call distress, you know, in class A office in the cities where we operate yet, but we have gone through a pandemic and we have our own balance sheet and we have these sophisticated financial partners that I mentioned that want a joint venture with us uh, to make acquisitions and we're, and we're always looking for deals. Great. And in terms of, I guess, last question I want to touch on, Owen, is kind of dividend policy. Um, you did have a, you know, modest cut in the Great Recession, 2008-9. It was very modest. Yeah. And actually looking at that period of time, you had about a 25% uh, you know, uh, decline in FFO in 2008 uh, with a slight, again, very slight dividend cut in 2009. So 2020, we've seen about a 10% decline in FFO, but obviously your dividend was in much better shape in terms of your payout ratio. So it looks like, you know, one thing you've done over the last 10 years, very obviously, is really, you know, prepared you know, for that next event, which we didn't know was going to be a global pandemic. But in fact, you know, you've been able to weather this storm pretty, pretty darn well, uh, given the fact that you've got, you've maintained a very disciplined balance sheet and a low payout ratio. So how do you, uh, I guess, some of all those parts, how do you feel about that payout ratio today and that all important dividend? Yeah, well, we, our goal is to have a stable and growing dividend. And as you said, Brad, our income stream you know, you hear all these things about office and the stock did go down rather materially as a result of the COVID pandemic, but our income stream was down 10, 15%. So, um, so we, and we have kept the dividend stable. Uh, by the way, as you mentioned, our rating, we are BAA1 Moody's rating, which is the highest, um, the best uh, rating that's out there for the office uh, real estate companies. And then the other thing that we've been doing, you know, the, the dividend, um, you know, is it, our net income has come down. So it's actually given us capacity to sell more assets because that gain, you know, we're sending out as part of the regular dividend. So, uh, so in a way we've almost raised more cash as a result of, if you think about it that way, as a result of keeping the dividend stable. So, you know, that's our goal. And as I described in your first question, you know, we've got a lot of drivers to get that um, FFO per share and net income higher you know, in the quarters ahead, whether it be from the recovery play, as well as the external developments that we'll be bringing online. Great. Well, Owen, I, uh, I want to thank you for your time. It's been very, very helpful to, to me and I'm sure our audience as well. And um, I look forward to circling back after the first quarter uh, as we continue this recovery moving forward. So uh, thank you again for your time. Great, Brad. Thanks for having me. All right. Best of luck.